Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live the Sage Life podcast with your host, me, Lisa Van Hera. And today on this podcast, we have our continued guest showing up with us on an ongoing basis, as long as he keeps showing up. And that is my hubby, Ryan Van Hera. And today he's joining us to talk about a little bit more of our story, our relationship, and in-depth on decisions. So welcome. What's going on, everyone? Glad to be back. (laughs) Well, thanks for being here today. And what we are going to share with you guys is a little bit, again, insight into what our life has been like, what our relationship has been like, how we've stayed together for over 22 years, been in business together, grown through multiple situations, overcome challenges we've had in our lives. And with that today, we're focusing a little bit more on decisions specifically and decisions and how decisions have impacted our life, how making those decisions and just knowing that and moving forward with it is really the key to not waffling and the like stuckness, not uh, floundering around, which of course we have done, but we came to learn that by making a decision jointly together and really taking action and doing it was, would you say more beneficial or faster or more congruent? Uh. If if I had to say anything at the moment, um, being that being that we're going to be talking about our, our our past and our you know present, you know, it is a little bit uncomfortable. But I would say that the the decision making process is one of those things that it has to be done. And I think once you realize that it's not living in the analyzation of things. I don't even know if that's a word, but I think it is. Analyzation, sure. Yeah. Um, We're going to call it a word. Um, But being able able to get through the stuckness of indecision to move forward and, you know, have some sort of result rather than just anticipating what the result might be, um, I think is a huge, huge step in everything. And it's, it's hard at first. Because you want others to typically take the lead because it's easier to just follow the decision that's already made versus having to possibly break the norm or go against the grain and make the decision that needs to happen. Well, and I think we've done some of both in there, right? It was like we've had times. That's the cool thing, unusual thing, fun thing about our relationship is we've done like total role reversals throughout our time together in the sense of like you at one point, I think were more the decision maker. And then it went to me more the decision maker. And then it went to both of us really realizing that we need to understand each other's point of view, understand what is beneficial for the whole, like as a team, not just, um, me deciding or you deciding. Yeah. And I think the best example of that, and as trivial as it may seem is when was the, when we've had our discussions, you know, of like going to dinner and it it seems like everybody runs into this issue. Oh my gosh. Every couple can relate to this part right here. Right. You you know, you get in the car (laughs) and like you've discussed, okay, we're going to go to dinner and you get in the car and you start driving and you look at your spouse or your significant other or whoever might be in the car and you say, okay, where are we going? 
And nine times out of 10, it's, well, I thought you said you knew where we were going to go. And then it goes back and forth and back and forth. And neither one of you wants to make a decision. And I don't think it's because you're incapable of the decision. You're trying so hard to appease the other side and what they want that it becomes a relinquished uh, relinquished task, so to speak, of like, well, it's just easier if that other person makes the decision. The problem or the challenge that arises is you're both thinking the same thing and you're trying to appease the other. So you end up coming to a crossroads where nobody makes a decision. This is such a great example because the Figuring out where to go to dinner applies to all areas of life. <laughs> and, and women, what do we want? We want the the man to know in our brains exactly where we want to go and what we want to do. And he should already know that and have it all mapped out. And then everything would be magical and beautiful and simple. <laughs> but is that how it works? No, like that's not how it works. And I think that's, I'll just speak for myself here is where we get caught up in just Wanting the other person to know exactly what we want without having to communicate it. And, um, you know, you, Ryan, are not a mind reader. Uh, the other partner in the relationship or mother or father, whoever it is that you're interacting with, sh- does not know what you need and what you're thinking. Nor, And we think, well, they should know because we've known them for so long. Well, still, again, they're not a mind reader. You have to communicate. You have to talk about it, what it is you need and (laughs) where you're coming from. (laughs) And I can't believe we're actually having this conversation this long on, you know, making the decision for where to eat. However, it pertains (laughs) to like so many things. It really Um, does. You know, and, and it's funny because it's like when we know what we want, and, and this is the, the, the broader scale of this, um, whether it's we know we want Chinese food or we know we want change. We still or pizza or pizza. <laughs> um, we still hesitate to make the decision, even though it's truly what we want and what we feel, because we don't want to offend the other person that's involved in that decision. So whoever might be going to dinner that day. Or if it's going to affect our work-life balance, um, you know, we, we tend to trap ourselves in the potential outcome of the decision that we make versus the truth and the reality of the outcome of whatever decision we make. Yeah, it's so true. What we avoid, basically, because we don't want to offend somebody or we don't want to hurt the partner's feelings or the other person's feelings And we're just kind of in this avoidance cycle of not really asking for what we want, not communicating what we need. And that may be pizza. That may be change. That may be um, growth of some kind or just even support you're needing in your life. Or the maybe with helping making dinner even at home or whatever it is like. You have to ask yourself, like, well, what do I need? What do I really need? What do I want? How can I be more empowered to communicate this from from the heart more so and not just the logical mind of overanalyzing or the word you used? What was that, Anna? Anna? Analyzation. <laughs> Analyzation. Because um, when we get so much into our minds and into the logic of it all, we 
usually start to disconnect some of kind of going back into old patterns or what has worked in the past or what should be done or these obligations. And rather than realizing we're in a new space, a new time, a new connection with that person and like, well, what do we really need in this moment now? How can we be more present now? What needs to happen? Yeah. And I, and I think the fear of the outcome plays a major part in either indecision or the decision we decide to make, you know, where we tend to question, well, what if I had made the other choice? Mm. What would that outcome be? Um, you know, when we, we can all look back and basically say, man, if this would have happened back then, then this would have never been the case, you know, and some people look at their lives like that. Um, I know we've, we've had discussions We've both done that at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think every human being has, or you would think. And that really though, is like suffering. That is really mental anguish on yourself because you're trying to go back. If you're going back to reflect and gain lessons and gain insight from what you did or how you made a decision or what could have been done differently. That's one thing. But when you're going back and going through all these different scenarios of how everything could have played out and did you make the wrong decision? That's like mentally exhausting though. And it, it does take you out of the present moment, time and space now from where you're at. And I agree. I think, I think that's reminiscing versus regretting. You know, a lot of times we say, man, I regret not doing that. Or, you know, oh, I was just thinking about this. And at the end of the day, when you start involving yourself mentally into that space, the emotions start to play a part in decisions. So logic and some... fear of like making the decision now based on what happened in the past, Mm -hmm. which you're not necessarily the same person you were. You're not the same person you were, you know, those many years ago or whatever it might be of the scenario you're thinking of. You're not the same person. You, you may have not, different skills, different insight. Yeah, you may not be the same person, but you might have the same thought pattern. True, um, right. Because like you've said before, if, if you're not healing you know, the past experiences or what you're currently, your position currently healing the past events to grow now, you will fall into those same mindset patterns and those same um, reflections and regret and, and pain from that. And it will affect your decisions that you make today. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the, the fear comes in of really going in that's what takes us into that stuckness that indecisiveness that fear of making a decision and then either not being successful with it or not being um the right decision i think that comes up a lot of like well is this the right decision well in a lot of cases it it may not be right or wrong it's just like what is the most connected most aligned decision that you feel you can make in this moment and just not deciding is really just staying there even more of the, 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 the stuckness, right. Yeah. Of the indecision is just as much deciding as not as deciding as deciding is taking the action and moving forward. Indecision is staying 
in what you're at that you're not exactly where you want to be and not really turning on that GPS system or whatever of like, well, this is my intention. This is my decision. This is my direction. And I'm going to go for it. I'm going to connect with it. Well, I, I think I think one of the hurdles for that, you know, is as much as we're talking about, you need to make decisions and there's no right or wrong decision. And, you know, it's OK, whichever outcome, because it was meant to be at that moment. I think the challenge for a lot of people and myself included um, is learning how to be okay in that space or to be um, unthreatened in that space. Um, and when I say unthreatened, it's, it's more the, the inner mind and, and the inner thought process that we all have where we attack ourselves uh, for the decisions that we make. Um, so I think that's where, you know, this podcast and the coaching and the healing and the training that you do is, is beneficial to people because that's where it really comes into play of learning how to do this. Mm. Um, because let's face it, 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 it's not an overnight thing. It's not like you just wake up one day and you go, you know what, today's the day I'm going to make every decision <laughs> and it'll be fine. Yeah. No, that's such a great point, babe. Um, and it really is a practice, right? With anything. So if you're going to learn how to play tennis or you're going to learn how to play the piano or even your kid, you might be thinking of as learning how to play baseball or is on the swim team. What do you have to do with anything new that you're picking up or learning is you have to do practice and you have to do repetition. So it is that continual practice over and over again of just like you would for tennis or swimming or anything else, you're going to go take lessons. You're going to do that at least once a week, probably even more than that. And you're going to be in that environment with other people learning how to do it. You're going to be taking in from more information, maybe you're even watching videos on it. Right. So you're right. It, it's not something that happens just overnight with decisions. I, used to overvalue my decision-making skills and would even say like, well, I make quick decisions. I make good decisions. And that, that was positive uh, affirmations around that, that I did believe for myself. It's all about the beliefs you have that you're really adopting for yourself. And though I overvalued my decision-making skills so much that I would undervalue the part of me that was sometimes unsure and sometimes scared of making the decisions. But mostly it was, and you, babe, that then I would undervalue your decision-making skills. So I would almost try and put myself above everybody or everyone else in my family and close, close relationships and undervaluing their feedback, their insight. So... Again, it's a practice because you can hear then that if I'm getting all this feedback and insight from you, from the kids or from business or whatever, you still want to be moving forward and making a decision and not get into, well, you're getting so much feedback now that then you can't make a decision. Um, so it's just a practice with that and awareness of your patterns and awareness of how you're making decisions. Are you collaborating with people? Are you asking for feedback? Are you getting um, feedback specifically or advice specifically from people that are either 
doing what you're already doing or working towards the same goal. You know, sometimes we'll go to um, friends or family or whoever and might get advice from, but if we're asking them about something they've never done before or haven't changed before, then that's not going to be the advice we're really going to grow from. Or we'll be resistant to it and just not want to hear it. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that last part. And I think that's the the challenge as well. Is who are we around when we make these decisions? Is it a consistent pattern of the same decisions being presented, or the same situations being presented around the same people, to where our decisions then are reflected the exact same as the decisions we've made before? So. Um, well, I have a question. Case, All right, go ahead. But but case in point. So let's say you go out with a girlfriend um, one day, and every time you go out, you go to this specific restaurant because she really enjoys it, and you're trying to you know be you know a good friend or whatever, and you want to be passive in in the sense that you don't want to rock the boat. But then let's say you've done that ten times in a row, and then on that eleventh time, you're like, you know what? Why don't we go to this place instead? The reaction by the other typically isn't going to just be like, okay, no problem. It's going to be, well, why do you want to do that? And there's pushback. So it's the same thing when you're around the same people on other decisions. Maybe it's revolving around money. Maybe it's, you know, kids. Maybe it's, you know, schooling, whatever it is. If you're in the same environment, every single time you're making similar decisions, your outcomes will typically be the same. And why would that friend be asking that question? You know, why, why is it that you want to go somewhere else? Why would they be asking that? Be- because it's outside of their norm. Right. And they're so, in the comfort of the habit right. and the comfort of the continual Knowing that this is where you're going to meet, and the knowing de- the same place, knowing the menu. And the decision's already been been made by them. They've prepared for that decision to already be in place. So it's a path of least resistance for them um, where you're now challenging their path. And we're using like super basic analogies because it's so relatable in that sense that Now we're just saying, take this and relate it to your other relationships or other challenges you're going through or other changes you're wanting to make. Because you can see how something so simple as just going to lunch at a continual basis, the same place, you know, maybe that's something that worked for a while because you didn't have to use the brain capacity as much. You just knew where you were going to meet and when. Maybe it was even the same time, same place every week or every other week. And then one person decides, well this has been great. And it's time for something different. It's time for a different experience, basically. And then that's where the conversation comes in. Well, why? Well, you know, challenging the comfort zone, basically. Well, exactly. I mean, let, let we can translate it into work. Like, we'll just make a quick transition over. Let's say you've been at your job for the last 10 years. And you've done the exact same thing over and over and over again. And now, all of a sudden, you're like, well, I want the next position up. Okay. Well, if you continually do just the same stuff you've been doing as a almost unconscious decision, 
um, or subconscious decision because it's just what you've done. You have to make a decision at that point. Well, if I'm going to go for this promotion or if I'm going to go for this additional um, pay increase or whatever it is, position increase, what do I need to do now to make that happen? And if you're not able to make that decision and then take action, you're never going to get to that other point. It's now a want and it's just kind of like that unattainable thing because the decision hasn't been made to actually go for it. Absolutely. So it's like, is are the decisions you are making from a conscious place, especially these bigger decisions, like subconscious decisions can be beneficial in the sense of we can breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully we can breathe and we don't have to think about it. Thankfully our heartbeats on its own. We don't have to think about that, right? Those are subconscious things happening. Also brushing your teeth. Also, um, well, brushing your teeth, I think is a conscious decision. (laughs) No, but I understand what you're saying. And it does almost become subconscious because it's It's like a a habit. It's a habit that's been formed over time. And so now you don't have to think about, I literally have to get out of bed and go to the back. You're not taking all those mental steps. It's kind of like on autopilot. So you can have uh, the teeth brushing experience. And it's funny (laughs) you say that because if you go back to your childhood, you had to learn how to brush your teeth properly. Exactly. So there is benefit to having habits that are um, supporting you on a daily basis and the decisions without, you've made yeah without having to think about it over and over again where we get caught up in things that aren't serving us anymore is they've become a habit just like brushing the teeth but they're not something that's beneficial or really supporting the life we're trying to create and now it's going back and looking at some of those things of like well does this activity does this conversation does this habit support the life that I am working to create on a daily basis. And that is deciding that's awareness is really the first step in that of becoming aware of all these patterns and habits that may or may not be serving you. The decisions you're making on a daily basis, it can even be as so simple as your morning routine. Are you having water first thing in the morning? Or are you having coffee? Like what does your body need first thing in the morning? So none of it's wrong bad or indifferent. It's just creating more awareness around it of like, well, what decisions am I consciously aware of? And what decisions are you making in order for the, do your decisions that you're making align with the goals that you are trying to obtain? Exactly. I think that's the biggest part. Exactly. Because whether we know it or not, oftentimes we're contradicting how we're showing up in the world and decisions we're making with the goals or um, projects or whatever it is that we're trying to create that we've set the tone for for the year, whether you do um, goals on a regular basis, annual basis, or revisit, revisit them every month, you have some kind of idea. And if you don't, that's okay. But then that's a question to start asking yourself was, well, why do I not have any um, goals written down or any kind of intention of what I want my month to look like my next month to look like or my year. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like you have to have something in place, whether, whether you deviate from it or not, at least to have something as a 
guideline. Yeah. Because as as you've pointed out, it's almost like um a skier going down a mountain slope, you know, doing figure eight down down the slope where they're going side to side. They're still on the same path down, right. but they swing out to the sides mm-hmm. on every single decision that they're making. They're making the decision to go left, to go right, to go left, to go right, but it's still giving you following a, the same uh, line down. So it's okay to deviate as long as you make decisions that will pull you back. That's a great point because it really is always okay. I think that's where sometimes there's resistance into making decisions as people will think, well, if I make this decision, then I'm completely tied to it. There's nothing I can change about it. I'm stuck with this decision and I can never deviate. And that's not the case. It's like, it's more important to just make the decision and go with it. And then if it's six months down the road and you're like, this is not working or this is not what I thought it was, or I realize that I need to make an adjustment, then do that. And then you're making a decision again, right? It's that um, kind of waking up every day and we've all done, we've all done this, (laughs) waking up every day and having really no... um, focus or intention for the day. Like if we really have nothing intended for the day set up and always having flexibility with that, then we're just kind of like, it's like driving in the car with no GPS and you're just wandering down the road and you don't really even know where you're going. Or that could just be like you even with the (laughs) GPS. That was before, that was me before Garmin. Is that what it was? Oh, geez. Even I got lost with Garmin. (laughs) So GPS is vital for me. (laughs) But now we're kind of like talking about, we're talking about big decisions and small decisions as little as brushing teeth and stuff like that. But we often remember in our lives, like some of the big decisions we've had to make and how challenging those are yet with them being challenging, they were often huge in the sense of changing trajectory and, and our personal lives. The uncomfortable silence of where this, where is this one going? Where are we going with this one? No, you're, you're, listen, you're, you're, you're completely correct. Um, in, in the sense that have we had life changing, life altering major decisions that were uncomfortable and at the time beyond scary? A hundred percent. Um, I think the, the difference now compared to then was we have that hindsight 2020 of being able to like, say to ourselves, oh, well, now I understand why that conversation need to happen. Why did that decision need to happen? Um, and it, let, let's be honest, it could have went either way. There was no right or wrong. It's like Loki in the timeline. It's like you hit this point, right? <laughs> He's giving me a crazy face. But you could see that it could go both ways. Like you, you hit a, a major kind of milestone in the road, and you could go right, you could go left, and you know you you just have to decide. Yeah, I, I you have to decide what is best for yourself um, while taking outside factors into account. So, like that's the hard part. I think that's the the struggle and the most challenging part for a lot of people is how do you separate the two. Is it, 
is it the decision I'm making solely for myself, which typically is where your decision should be because you have to do it for yourself. Yeah. And as selfish as that sounds. Well, it, it can sound selfish yet. If you're realizing that the more you're making a decision from your authentic power, like your connection with yourself, the mind gets in the way of the logic and I'm selfish and like the ego part of us. Right. But it's the heart, the soul, knows what it needs and knows what the decision is it needs to make. But we've blocked that out for so long. We weren't really taught how to utilize that. We weren't taught how to connect with that. I mean, if you look at a kid playing with a toy that's like two or three years old, most of the time they're just in joy. They're in total presence. There's no concern about any kind of decision, of course, because they're a kid and they um, have adults taking care of them. But even as you get a little bit older, that still kind of remains there where it's just like, I'm just going to decide. It's pretty easy of like whatever they're just going to do. Now, it's like then when we get older, we've taken on all these things of. Whether it's debt, whether it's children, whether it's. We did it wrong and we got corrected by our parents. We um, got corrected by a spouse or a partner or made wrong or whatever it is. But it's like coming back to that remembrance of who we really are and what our heart and soul really want to experience from it. And that's really a a non-selfish place when it's very connected of like, what is it that I truly need deep within me? If the ego is just running the show, well, then it's what do I need to take power and have everything I want and experience everything I want? It's all about me. There's a difference, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, I think this goes back to our last, uh, episode was, you know, we, we make decisions based upon the outcomes that we've experienced through others. So I, I think almost everybody I've ever ran into at some point has said, well, I didn't want to do this because that's how my parents did it. Or I didn't want to become my mom or my dad, or, you know, I've seen what happened to my family and I just don't want that for my family. And it's a conscious decision, but it's just out of pure fear and avoidance versus connection and love. I'm not letting this happen because I'm going to grow and share the the steps and the values that I've learned along the way to help go through times like that. It's not that that situation may never happen, but you're making the decision to address it when it does versus just complete, uh, completely avoiding it. Right. Absolutely. So That's a great point. And it really just comes down to, are you making a decision from fear and what goes beyond that of lack and um, right. s- sadness, right. anger, all that stuff? Or are you making a decision from love, from love and connection with yourself and taking a moment to really do that. What does that look like? Well, there's different ways to do that, but it, the heart knows, like, do you remember that study we watched on, we watch all kinds of great, um, little random shows, but it like basically where the heart knew the image on the screen, they were testing, they were testing people's reactions to images that were coming up on a computer screen. So it was like they had 
the electrodes oh. and stuff attached to their chest. Yeah, I remember that. And the heart was actually responding to the image before it would even come up on the screen. So if it was like a scary image or something like that, it was already like, you know, they were getting this response. So like the heart even knows slightly before something's going to happen. And that's just really incredible. I know I'm not um, giving it justice of the, what the study was that was done. And it's really showing us that there's really so much more power there. There's so much more connection there that we've really don't tap into on a daily basis that can assist with making decisions, with connecting with what it is that we really want to experience yeah, and in I, this and, life. And, and I think that's definitely something to go further into probably on another episode, um, just because there is a lot involved in those types of studies. You know, it's the same thing where does water feel, you know, and it's been proven that water reacts differently under different circumstances. Um, the molecules are a little bit different. Ice forms differently. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of stuff and I could go on like a whole nother tangent we'll do an right episode now. So specifically so. on, the, on uh, heart research and water research, <laughs> <laughs> but um, they really are fascinating. So let's go back to though, like the big decisions. Is there a big decision in our life that you're, uh, you know, thinking about here as we've been talking? Well, there's a reason why we now live in New Jersey. So um, we do live in New Jersey. <laughs> for for those of you that didn't know, we we are living in Jersey. Um, I think that was probably, you know, one of the hardest decisions for both of us in different capacities. So I don't know if you want to elaborate on that since you have the initial perspective of why the move took place. Well, let me set the scene. It was 20 something years ago. I think 2001, no, 2003. No, 2003. Yeah, I think it was 2003. So we we used to live in Washington State for approximately three years. And we had our oldest daughter while we were living out there. So we were young parents. We had a little one. We were living in an apartment. And uh, let's just say being young parents and... We didn't know what we didn't know. I was 22. Yeah, I didn't. We we were doing the best we could. And a series of events had like played out, you know, whereas like life was already kind of a challenge with finances, with money. And then me trying to work when um, our little one was little. And it just was really, really challenging. And I felt very alone out there. I will add that even though your family was amazing. Um, so I had grown up out there, so I yeah. had family, friends, different connections, um, in, in that area that we were living. So it, for me, there, there really wasn't a major challenge as far as socialization. Yeah. And for me kind of now being pregnant while I was out there and then having a young daughter and myself being young and not really into the area. That was part of the challenge, yet it was also everything else, right? Yeah. And then it was a series of events. Our one car we had, like, totally blew up um, with, when I say blew up, it was like something happened with the oil, right? And it really was smoking, and the engine was basically shot after that. Yeah. 
So the now we didn't have a car. I had gotten a job, but now I couldn't get to the job. We were uh, challenged with childcare. We were challenged with getting rent, all these different things. And so at that point, at least you were working and I was just going to stay home and um, stay with our daughter. So a couple weeks went on after all this had happened and I really sunk into a depression, to be completely honest. I, I probably haven't been ever that depressed as I was during that approximately two weeks. And I knew that I had to take care of our daughter. That was the one thing I could do to the best of the ability I could do at that time. And then otherwise, I just wanted to be on the couch. I wanted to just sleep and I didn't want to deal with anything or anyone because I couldn't see a way out, right? I couldn't see a way out at that time or how to shift. And it just seemed like every time we kind of got momentum or kind of like got a little bit more money or like whatever it was, something else would happen. And I don't think anyone's ever experienced Nobody's that Nobody's ever experienced that. <laughs> you're like, yes. And then you're like, shit. Oh, and our apartment was even broken into. That was one of oh, them too. Oh, yeah. Our apartment was even broken that. into. So it, again, it was like this series of events that had happened. And um, during those two weeks of depression, I don't know if you've heard it before, but depression can be referred to as deep rest sometimes. But during that time, that's really what I did was deep resting and, of course, taking care of our daughter. So it really, during that time, then became evident what I needed to do. The only thing that I need, it was the only way I saw to make a change. I knew at one point that I needed support. I needed so much more support than I'd ever had over the last several years. I didn't know um, what that looked like, but then it became pretty evident through just asking myself questions that it was time to go home to New Jersey. And, and I think that's, I, I think you hit on a really key point is when you are making these life altering, life changing, life defining decisions. Um, or, and I should say defining at that moment, not necessarily for the rest of your life. Um, you, you should be asking questions, not from, a point of, you know, if this doesn't work out, what's going to happen if this doesn't, you know, say. Yeah, that's a good point. And more of the questions I was asking is like. Um, how can I improve this situation? What I do think? I need to do? Like, right. what is it that I'm missing? What? Do, where do I need to go? How can I change this? Like, what yeah. is, I didn't know it at the time because that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. And I always knew to ask for guidance from whether you want to say God or divine or higher power or something. I didn't really believe in God too much at that time, but I asked something for help. You know, it was just like, I knew there must be something beyond myself and um, just asking for guidance in that way. So that, that is a good point to bring up though, is I wasn't going into like all the questions of like, why me? all that kind of stuff. I went into what can I see? How can I see this differently? What needs to change? Like how can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? Yeah. Yeah. So more empowering questions are going to get you more empowering answers. Right. So and in this apartment, I mean we had like 
really little furniture. We had just enough. We had a folding table and folding chairs for our little kitchen table. I mean, we were living things the life. Things were tight. <laughs> <laughs> this is, we can just move on, but say, yeah, things were, things were tight. But I think it's so important to share that because it's humble beginnings. And um, really, from the early on stages of our relationship, there was always kind of this calling for more. And that's for just adding in there of that is kind of what I was feeling. I was like, there's something more calling me. This isn't um, the end all be all of living like this. And I just didn't know how to change it. So with that came some really challenging conversations that then I had to decide to make not only with my um, mom and coming back to New Jersey where she lived, but also having really challenging conversations with my hubby Ryan and that I wanted to leave Washington and move and his mom. And those were, those were really hard conversations to have. And at that time we weren't married. We, we had our daughter and, you know, we were significant others to each other, but outside of our daughter, there wasn't any sort of, uh, I guess attachment. Like, I, I don't want to say like there wasn't because like there was emotional attachment, but there wasn't any like physical piece of paper or, or anything like that that said, Hey, you two are definitely together and you have to stay together. And if you don't, then this is what's going to happen type of thing. It was very uncomplicated, at least at that time. Yeah. If something were not to work out. So all I was going to add was not only did I have to make a decision of what I knew in me I needed to do to get back on my feet, then it was like communicating that with you, then you making a decision. And I, in some ways had to be unattached to whatever you were going to decide and not. Well, and I think, I think that's one of the key parts is when you were making your decision. And, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, as far as like, who are you asking for the help and who are you around when you're making those decisions? When you made the decision to come back to New Jersey, I wasn't involved in that. Like that was a decision that you made for the betterment of yourself and the environment and the situation. And then you presented your decision to me to decide what I was going to do. And I, and I think that's a huge, huge thing for people to understand is if it's a challenging decision and you're asking the person that's not really helping improve it at that moment. And it's in essence, keeping it challenging. You don't want to go to that person and ask them, you know, what is their decision? Because at that time, as collectively between you and I, we chose the path of what we felt was comfortability in the sense of Although challenging and struggling, for me, it was easier, like, because I just knew what I was doing. And it was like, I could, you know, those subconscious, you know, decisions of I just go to work, and I come home, I go to work, I come home, I didn't have those responsibility attachments. Although, yeah, I, you know, I loved my daughter and, you know, things like that. But I didn't think about the greater scale of that. So for me, there was a, a different type of attachment. I was attached to the situation. I wasn't attached to necessarily growth or um, wanting more at that point. I was happy 
I was comfortable in that moment, mm-hmm. although it was uncomfortable overall. Yeah, isn't that the irony? So, I love how you said that you were comfortable in the moment, but overall, not comfortable. Right. So that that's really, really beautiful. So we, of course, we're very early on in our relationship. We weren't married then yet, and um, even with that being said, it was still, I think, one of the most impactful, most challenging, most beautiful, most kind of all those things that we went through in that, you know, very early stages of our relationship. And I I think it's important. So just to, to give clarity on this. So basically Lisa's decision was no matter what she was taking our daughter back to New Jersey with her to stay at her mother's house regardless of a decision that I was hadn't even made yet. So when it was presented to me and she said, here's the decision I'm making. And, you know, we briefly talked about, you know, well, how could you and so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I, I challenged it from a place of anger and fear and things like that. But then I started to think about it and, I went into my decision-making process at that time and what I knew. And initially it was out of how could she do this to me? And like, you know, it it doesn't make sense. Like I'm, I'm fine. And like, it it just, and then I started thinking of, and, and it was also, you know, where, you know, I had some challenges growing up and, you know, it was like, I didn't, I had a stepdad. I didn't really have a real dad. Like that's a whole nother story. But, um, so no, I review, I, I viewed it as, well, I don't want to do what my dad did. And so, and, and not be there basically. So that was the initial stages of my thought process on the decision. And then it went from that, which was more fear-based and anger-driven or or regret-driven to, well, is this a better decision in my mind at that time to be out with them and to be there for my daughter, not necessarily for Lisa at that point, but more the focus was on our daughter and like, how can I be there for her as she grows up and like, what do I see for ourselves if we make this decision? And those were the questions I started asking because I didn't initially give Lisa a response. I said, I need to think about that because I, I mean, you have to weigh it out. I'm 20 young twenties and I have somebody that said, I'm going to take your responsibilities away. And if you, if you you have to look at it this way, forget that it was my daughter, but I'm going to take your responsibilities away and you can stay here and do whatever the hell you want. Or I can go with them as challenging as it may be because it was a significant change and grow as a family. So when you, when you start looking at it from that perspective, it's not an easy decision because somebody says, Hey, you don't have to do anything or Hey, we need to work on this and it's going to be challenging. 
at, at a young 20, you know, that's a, t- that's a tough call. It's, it's not an easy one. It seems like it would be easy because we all look at our attachment to our children and, and things like that. But at that time, I didn't look beyond myself. And, and you know, so it was, I was very selfish at that time. So for me to make that decision was a, a very, very big decision. But you were just learning. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I, I think mean, it's like. At that moment, I didn't realize it as learning. Looking back at it, yeah, that was that was probably one of the biggest learning slash growth experiences of my life um, because I had to learn how to convey not just my my perspective, but I also had to learn how to convey my my anger or my thoughts overall, um, you know, from the situations that come up. I that was um, a very long story. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was one of the most beautiful accounts I've ever heard you share that experience. And we've had this conversation many a times over our relationship because it's always a moment we go back to that one we had to heal some from and connect from some because it it wasn't fully resolved. It was a really big, incomplete experience, if you want to call it that, where me making a decision from that place of just, I knew I needed, I knew I, I knew what I needed and I didn't see any other way to get back on my feet um, and kind of get out of that depression and get out of that mental space that I was in. And I've never heard you share that perspective quite of what you went through on your end. So um, just thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I, th- I think, I know I just kind of brushed that off, so you're you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things, one of the most challenging things, when you, whenever anyone makes a decision, whether it's a, a massive life life moment or as simple as going to dinner, is trusting the decision that you make. Mm. Um, a lot of times, even even I still do it. You know, like I'll go to a restaurant and I'll look at the menu and I'm like, Oh, that sounds really, really good. And then two minutes later, I'm looking at the bottom of the menu and I'm like, but that one sounds good too. <laughs> and you start challenging it. And, and, you know, so you start trusting your initial inclination or your initial decision. Questioning right, it. Right, right from yeah. the get go. And to the point where, you know, you become indecisive because now you're like, well, they both sound great. And what if I want to do both? And I think that's where, and we could go into a whole another topic of like social <laughs> media marketing and things like that. When it's like, have everything, make the decisions instead of picking one, get everything. Well, that is you like know. the very instantaneous gratification right. now going on. And though the point you're touching on is with all of this, with hearing everything we've talked about today and decisions and how we can bring more awareness to our decisions, more conscious uh conscious connection with our decisions. It is um, a practice. It is a growth process of realizing even what you're just saying of like, I don't have to question my decisions. I can know that the decision I made in that moment is what I needed in that moment for who I am in that moment, for what I know in that moment and moving forward with that. And then of course you can make adjustments down the road if you need to. Yeah, absolutely. But faith and trust and yourself. I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about. And some of those big decisions that we'll, 
we the big one we were talking about today with the move and other ones in the future, there was like a knowing I had and a connection, whether you want to call it intuition, a knowing, um, an aha, a like realization. There's been moments like that over and over in our life together that I've had those kind of knowings and have there been times I look back and question it? Of course. Yet for the most part, I really, really learned to trust those moments and what that guidance I was connecting with internally. Yeah. So I think, I think the biggest takeaway from this is in, 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 if I were to sum up this episode, what is your takeaway is you have to trust in your ability to accept the results of whatever decision. And when I say that there is no right or wrong, it's only at that moment. And you can always change your decision in the future. If you're unhappy with the outcome of the initial decision you made. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is make the decision. If I'm summing this up right and you clarify Mm -hmm. if I'm, if I'm getting what you're saying, but make this, make the decision, move forward and take the action with it. And then if it doesn't work out as you thought it was going to, or if you quote unquote fail at it, you've learned from it. Like you're growing from it and you're gaining lessons from it that then you can apply in the next one or do it over again, but differently. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't be upset with the outcome of the decision because like you said you're learning and you're growing from that outcome so that's why there is no right or wrong decision it's just the decision at that moment that you feel most connected with correct yeah well awesome well we will wrap this one up i think it's a good place to say thank you so much for joining us today If you enjoyed this podcast, we would appreciate you following, rating, and reviewing our podcast. And for more information, please visit us at www.livethesagelife.com and find more information about myself, coaching, events. Visit www.livethesagelife.com. Thank you for listening.